Broadcasting from atop the Hensler Financial Building in the heart of Georgia's financial district, Kennesaw, Georgia, this is Money Talks. We're back. You're listening to Money Talks, your trusted resource for your money, your future, your life. I'm Troy Harmon here with Jarrett McKenzie, straight out of Paulding. That's right. Yeah. Now I'm in the heart of the financial district. Yeah, Kennesaw. That's right. And uh, (laughs) speaking of Kennesaw, we also have... Dr. Roger Tuttero, uh, Kennesaw State professor and uh, our economic advisor. So, uh, you know, it's always fun to talk to Dr. Tuttero, or Roger, as we prefer to call him. As I prefer to. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Kelly Lynn, if you want to get us rolling, I, I, that's all I got for a move. Unless right. you got something. Nope, I all don't. Right. But I do have uh, some questions on, you know, the bull market versus the economy. Yeah. So we've got uh, David and Mandy. They're mid-50s business, small business owners. I mean, small to mid-business owners. Let's put it that way. Um, they are majority owners in a privately owned business with roughly 300 employees normally they would employ about 400 but with labor shortages they've been hurting so they're seeing that um, they're not alone yes during the pandemic business um prior to the pandemic their business was successful bringing in some of the most profits that they had in 23 years good broad customer base excellent reputation blah 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 it seems like it should be like you know smooth sailing in their uh you know, right before retirement here. But during the pandemic, they furloughed the newest hires, brought everybody back, but you got some people who just didn't want to come back. And now their financial advisor keeps telling them, oh, stock market's good, everything's good, everything's up. But they're still feeling the pressure and with too few employees, supply, inventory, costing, you know, inflation, et cetera. So, and their question is pretty much everybody, every investor's in question is what what's... Yeah, where's the disconnect? What's the disconnect? Yeah, well, I think they probably feel it more than most, just being a small I, business. I, I think so. I think it's like it's it's, it's exacerbated for them, you know, because yeah. they're seeing it like really is. You know, all my overhead is going up. All my wages are going up. Mm-hmm. I've got fewer employees. Yeah. And the funny thing is, we tend to forget even mm-hmm. before the pandemic hit, we had tight labor markets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we can take a little side trip on that. The so-called yep. labor force participation rate, the percentage of adults who were in the labor pool had gone from 66% before the Great Recession all the way down to about 62 and a half. We got back up to 63 and a half roughly. And then boom. We get hit again, and we got all the way down to about 60. So we've only made up about half of the drop in labor force participation that we had during the pandemic recession. So every industry that I talk to, every professional group I speak to, attracting, retaining labor, number one concern. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, there's a lot of folks that are blaming it on the government, uh, giving directly uh, to individuals. Um, You know, at this point, I think uh, a lot of that's kind of tapered, but uh, you still see their their children getting uh, or or individuals getting paid Mm -hmm. out for their kids. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, Well, there's still more than 10 million open jobs in the U.S. right now, which is, I think, the highest level ever. Yeah, that's right. The Jolts data, it's an all time high. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing that you have to remember is when interest rates are low, asset prices tend to be high. And uh, that is absolutely the situation. Uh, We just talked about earnings numbers. There's plenty of reasons for asset prices to continue higher. Um, But 
in in reality, you know, I, I can understand some of the concerns that individuals are having, um, but it, it doesn't matter what asset you're looking at, whether it be your stocks in your portfolio, your 401k, or house prices. Yeah. Uh, pretty much everything looks expensive, and, and uh, those interest rates play a huge part in that. Um, you know, so, uh, Jarrett, what do you say? Well, yeah, I was going to say the, the small business owners, I think, are feeling it more than ever, particularly because of the labor. I mean, you see it especially in the restaurant industry. It sounds like, right. you know, Mandy and David here are not in that in that industry, but uh, are feeling it as well. And I would say that's uh, there's probably a lot of small business owners that own restaurants that feel very similarly because that that is what I think is making it feel that there's more of a disconnect than maybe what there actually is. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is certainly some disconnect because uh, it's surprising to see the market keep ticking up as we were talking about earlier uh, when some of these things do seem to be so problematic, particularly with labor. Right. Uh, right. Leisure and hospitality is a sector of the economy where employment dropped, I think it was 48% from peak to trough. Mm-hmm. And we've made some great gains there, but I think we're still down double digit. Yeah. Yeah, again, I've told the manufacturers, logistics, professional services, everybody still has shortages. Yeah, when we see uh, uh, news of COVID resurgence, uh, we've also started seeing uh, some of those asset prices decline again too right. um you yeah, know I, a few apart. weeks ago we were talking about uh uh cruise lines that are really struggling um you know some of the theme parks are still struggling to attract new people um you know I, even long-term care companies where uh you know uh, they they were really ravaged uh, during the during the pandemic, are you're seeing those assets fall again as well? So uh, yeah. you know there's still pressure from COVID that's uh, that's coming back. Yeah, it's really just the instability of it all. I think it seemed so much more stable before the pandemic, and now right. well, we have rebounded quite a bit. It's the lack of stability that seems so. It seems stable well, for good reason, right? We yeah. had an economy that expanded for 128 months, the right. longest post World War II expansion. Mm-hmm. But also, you see the marketing now, like the cruise lines being an example, right. trying to convince everybody. You know, we're clean, we're safe, you can come back. Because they have some significant messaging to do. Right. Now, I'm not a cruise guy. I'm still, you know, traumatized by seeing too many episodes of The Love Boat in the 1970s. <laughs> but uh, I know there I are people who are I don't think there was ever a problem there, but I, I could well, understand you know, your trauma. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's funny, though. Even though it's not, you know, usually the cruises are, are more of a discretionary, you know, kind of pleasure expense. The airports don't seem that way at all. I was there this weekend, and I think that was one of the busiest I've ever yeah. seen Hartsfield. Really? In Atlanta. No yeah. Yeah. Um, well, one of the other pieces that's playing into this is inflation. And I know, uh, you know, it hasn't uh, we've been we're a few months into some pretty serious inflation at this point. Right. Absolutely. Um, and you would expect that that might have upward pressure on interest rates at some point. We still well, thinking it's transitory. <laughs> well, that's a good, and the question is, what is transitory? And, and I had that thrown to us in a couple of talks we gave. And here's an answer I would give. When, when you see inflation that is caused by supply-side shocks, you know, temporary dislocations inside markets, right. that's transitory, as opposed to those of us that remember, um, and unfortunately I do, the 1970s where you had this kind of long ramp up of inflation. And again, I, when I, even my MBA students have never seen inflation in right. a meaningful way. Sure. But you forget that you start getting things like uh, cola provisions written into contracts, you get escalator clauses into contracts, and the higher inflation gets baked into the expectations and the, and the transactions. Good point. And that's longer term. I don't think we're seeing that yet. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. So we've been talking a little about, uh, you know, a situation where uh, Mandy and David, small business owners, seem to feel a disconnect with um, what's going on in their business and then watching the stock market soar, um, watching housing prices fly, uh, you know, various things that are a reality at the moment. And we were talking about inflation uh, prior to our last break. Um uh, Roger was was telling us that uh, you know when it when they talk about transitory, there's certain reasons why you might think that uh, inflation would be transitory. Mostly, um, you know, because it's it's a relatively we believe it's going to be a short term uh, supply demand dislocation, if you will. Yeah, at least part of it. I mean, it, kind of the old classic way of talking about inflation was too much money chasing too few goods, right? which is kind of the monetary phenomenon. But we also, you know, if you put on your microeconomist hat, which I try not to wear in public, <laughs> but if you put it on, um, you know, if you have something that causes the supply of products to get pulled back, then the price will go up because what it does is then it rations the products across those who want to pay the most. But then right. as the supply comes back, the price should normalize to some degree. So I think what we're thinking when we talk about transitory inflation is these kinds of supply and or demand induced shocks as opposed to kind of a long-term ramping up of the price level. Yeah, so, um, you know, the folks that are out there talking about how much money the government has doled out and, uh, you know, free money does tend to play into that conversation. Um, but, uh, you know, to counter it, I've heard uh, Jerome Powell, our mm-hmm. Fed secretary, uh, talk about the fact that uh, a lot of people took the money that the government gave them and actually paid off debts, saved it, you know, so it's right. not, there's not quite as much as you might expect out there chasing those those uh, scarce goods. Right. And, and again, when we talk about money chasing goods, we mean money mm-hmm. and what it means to an economist, right? right. I mean, yeah. But when we talk about the, 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 the stimulus coming out, that's, of course, an income supplement or transfer payment to people. But, you know, um, Chairman Powell's right in the following sense. We've always held out in a, for decades in macroeconomics that uh, people consume out of their permanent income. And then when they get these windfalls, they're more likely to save them. And they try to, to they try to dampen out their income based off what their permanent or expected income will be. I'm sorry, but dampen out their consumption based on their permanent income. Sure. So All that right. would certainly would support into what Chairman Powell says. Sure. All right. Uh, I guess, to be honest, time will tell, right? We, yes. We'll get back in a couple of years and we'll be able to explain to you exactly <laughs> what happened. It's, it's always <laughs> hilarious to me how slow uh, reports on economics tend to be. You know, it's you're you're well out of the quarter by the time you realize that you were in a recession. I was going to say, in two years, we'll know what happened. You yeah, know? exactly. Uh, Jarrett, you said you've been getting some of these questions from clients individually as well. Yeah, right? and probably more so from from business owners. You know, I think they're they're worried. You know, just from some of the points Roger made earlier. You know, on a number of fronts, that uh, inflation is going to really start impacting their business when they're already having problems with labor shortages and uh, cost of goods and, and things like that in general. So, uh, but even for retirees, which is the vast majority of our clients, you know, there's a lot of worry, it seems, uh, as to how this, you know, rampant inflation, if it becomes that, uh, may impact the longevity of their money and their ability to outlive, uh, you know, their their 
or, or I guess avoid outliving their assets. So uh, at the end of the day, it's it's really about what can we do to prevent that. And I think it always comes back to, especially with where you know interest rates are these days and the fixed income environment, and you know. It, it's hard not to fall back on the stock market because right. truly, right. I mean, that's going to be one of your best bets for offsetting the effects of inflation uh, when we get into a period like what we're in and, and are becoming, you know, more so. Right. You might see uh, you might see profit margin squeeze a little bit, but when you have an inflationary period, basically the companies that are out there, you know, having higher prices foisted on them, pass it along to the consumer right. at some point, yeah. mm-hmm. and that passing along actually grows revenues, mm-hmm. uh, grows earnings, while it might not be at the pace that you would want if they do have uh, you know pressure on their, their profit margins. Oh. But uh, in the end, owning stocks is not a bad place to be when you have inflation. Yeah, it's something worth reiterating, because that is, I think there's a misperception by most people that the stock market is going to suffer during a period of inflation, and maybe it does to some degree, but historically, because I think you guys have looked at this before and we've Absolutely. had conversations, it's not as, as detrimental as it may seem when these come along. And so, people, But people think that it's going to put a, a pretty big hamper on the market, and that just does not tend to be the case because of what you just said. I mean, yeah, I just, some of the things that's, that you need to watch for, and, uh, you know, obviously every industry, every company is not created equally when it comes to inflation and the benefits that they might, you know, might expect. But uh, Right. Uh, different sectors should have different vulnerability right. to inflation. But also following up on that, I mean, if we think we're in a high inflation environment, typically what you see in normal times, normal meaning when the central banks aren't as aggressive as they are now, right. normally when inflation goes up and not so-called nominal interest rates rise with it mm-hmm. but obviously as long as the central banks buying the bonds they are and holding rates down artificially it actually takes some of the returns negative right and that's kind of what changes everything so you look at the equity market you're right a pure inflation where the consumer prices and the input prices go up pretty much lockstep shouldn't necessarily be that bad for the margins the question is what about the rate the, the, the yields that we use to discount those margins in the future and right now at least are artificially suppressed low yeah. And, um, you know, I, I guess just to throw out a couple of the sectors that benefit uh, or have shown to benefit over history, energy, materials, uh, consumer staples um, and and really health care to some extent. Um, beyond that, you, you tend to see other com- other uh, industries tend to suffer a little more. Sure. Um, growth type investments where uh, expectations for revenue or earnings growth into the future are, you know, are higher than the average company uh, do tend to suffer a little more than a a value type play as well. And uh, part of that is just the basic mathematics. Uh, Generally, as you've said, Jarrett, when uh, inflation goes higher, uh, Mm -hmm. Roger, you said it too, um, interest rates tend to follow. Mm -hmm. Uh, When interest rates are rising, those asset values that we've just talked about a few minutes ago uh, that that do tend to be really high start fluttering back to earth. And, yep. um, you know, all of that has to be considered in an environment as we are today. And we'll see. Again, the Fed has great control over short-term rates. Long-term's a little bit trickier. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will tell you, and we talked about some previous shows, consensus was the Fed would not raise short-term rates until at least well into 2023. And I've been kind of an outlier saying it's possible late 2022 you could see that. Mm-hmm. And I think you're already starting to see some of the signaling out of the Fed, though, you know, they're going to be as we want them to be, data-dependent. Right. And if we're still looking at the environment this time next year like we are today, 
I think all bets are off. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I've been fond of the tone just because I, I've always been afraid that they end up going back on their word because conditions worsen to a point to where they now have to make right. a move before and then the market's not expecting it and it's just going to be a catalyst for something that's probably worse had it not been managed differently. And it sounds like they are these days. Yeah, mm-hmm. a couple of things I would say. Number one, you're not alone at this point because I'm hearing a lot of voices that are saying, nah, wait until mid to late 2022 mm-hmm. and uh, you'll probably see uh, you'll you'll probably start seeing some pressure. First steps too. I mean, if you just want to watch for the for the original uh, step, is going to be that tapering of the right. purchase of, of uh, debt in the short term. And uh, once you start seeing that, uh, you know that interest rates are months behind, but right. right behind, right? Well, they'll start doing, they'll stop reinvesting dividends on existing bonds, and when they mature, stop replacing them. And that's a long way before they start selling bonds they acquired. If you remember after the Great Recession, they didn't actually start aggressively selling the bonds to shrink the size of the balance sheet until fourth quarter 17. So, you know, baby steps at first, right. and then we'll work our way through there. Yeah, sure. and, and that 17 was, uh, they went to zero interest rate at the end, I think December of 2008. That's right. So, you know, it, it took And they didn't raise the short-term rates until December 15. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Kelly Lynn, what do we got coming up? Coming up, can you transfer ownership of a home and eliminate all those capital gains uh, for all the parties involved? Sounds interesting. It sounds interesting, and I will tell you more. You're listening to Money Talks, your trusted resource for your money, your future, your life. All material presented is from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decision and is not intended to replace the advice of qualified professionals, such as tax consultants, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in the Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.